As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Alright everybody, welcome back to another episode of One of These Years. A delayed episode this week, of course, as I was without power. Many in the Metro Detroit area were. Hopefully everyone has it back now. I'm, of course, Nick Bumber, along with Colton Pouncey. Colton, uh, Lions cut day after the preseason game number three. We were going to record before that game, but, I mean, at this point, uh, there wasn't a ton of extra stuff that's going on in that game that you're going to change opinions on. Um, Probably better, though, I think, maybe to record today, right? Because uh, tomorrow we know, on Tuesday anyway, we'll, we'll know a lot more. Yeah, we can preview things a little bit here, and I will say, like, I put together yeah, my roster projection um, kind of like the day or a day or two before the final preseason game, just tweaking after with any updates, right. and that was a lot tougher than I thought. I think I said in the last episode that it might be easier just because it felt like the roster was coming together, and then so many dudes played well in that final preseason game. I was like, man, this is actually tough again. <laughs> they always do. Yeah, so I know. we got it done, though. Well, uh, we got it done, and uh, they're going to have to get it done now. Uh, and I think that this is – there's always – and we've had two of these now with Holmes and Campbell. And there's always a couple surprises. There's always a couple that you're – there are one or two in there that uh, most people either completely missed or maybe had thought about, but were like, no, they won't They won't keep this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's happened both times. And, and, and the first year there was a bunch of them. <laughs> and it was like, what are they doing? <laughs> like, so it was like some of these guys – could probably help you, but it, you, as the time went on, you could sort of maybe understand it. So I'm curious, before we get into the the offense-defense here, uh, if there's one, what's the one spot that you're looking at and you're like, I, I really don't know? What's one, or maybe two? Because I know there's a bunch. We've talked about this. There, this is a talented roster now. This is not your old Lions. Yeah. What's one or two spots that you're like, oh, man, I, I really, you know, I don't know where they're going to go here. I think it was... A couple. One on off. I'll give you one on offense, one on defense. Uh, the wide yeah. receivers, um, because to me it felt like there were maybe two spots up for grabs and probably three mm-hmm. receivers fighting out for that, that last spot um, with Antoine Green, Chase Coda, and uh, Dylan Drummond. And we've talked about in the past, like, I don't know if any of those guys really fit the mold of, like, the X receiver that they're still looking for, but, like, in the meantime, right. you got to make do with what you have. So... I, you know, that was a tough one. I went back and forth. I had, even before the preseason game, I think I put Antoine Green 
in the final roster projection. And the reason for that, mm-hmm. just going with some traits. Um, you know, he was a guy that they spent, you know, draft capital on, seventh yeah. round pick versus some undrafted free agents. Um, and then he obviously played well in the preseason game, caught a seventy yard touchdown, so that <laughs> made me look yeah. a little smarter there. That helps. Um, yeah. no doubt. <laughs> And then uh, I had Dylan Drummond in there too. So those are the two receivers that I had making the making the cut. Um, Chase Cotto was a tough tough one to leave out, but I think he'll Man, be able yeah. to stick around the practice practice squad there. Um, and you know, there's always a chance they can maybe try to add a free agent somewhere um, that gets cut elsewhere. But that's what I had mm-hmm. for this certain projection. And then DB, the the back end there was yep. really tough for me because I think the last roster projection I had, um, I kept Emmanuel Mosley off the pup list just because we had talked to him maybe like a few days before I, I put that together and he sounded optimistic that he could probably still be ready to go before the start of the year. Um, but he still hasn't practiced and he's just now like starting to run on a Mount Patricia out there. So, uh, <laughs> he's still working his way back. Uh, so I don't think he'll be ready. It sounds like he'll probably start on pup. Right. Um, I think Dan Campbell said, uh, he and Brad will talk about it, um, later today, but I had him on pup in the updated one. So that created room for maybe an extra DB there. Stephen Gilmore really balled out in the final preseason game. Um, he's looked pretty good here in practice, too. Um, mm-hmm. And it's sort of Chase Lucas, man. Like, he was a guy that I had on the outside looking in yes. up until this final game. And I thought he looked really good. He's always been a solid special teams contributor. We know that side of his game. Um, but, you know, he had the interception. Um, was breaking up passes. I think he had three pass defended in that game. And, um, you know, I think they like him. And if you're going to find a way to keep him around, that's probably the way you do it. You have a solid preseason game. He's going to make special teams plays out there, too. So I had both Stephen Gilmore and Chase Lucas in my final roster projection, which was interesting because I had to make some cuts elsewhere. But I just think, you know, looking at that DB yeah. spot, they have a lot of guys that can play. And if I were them, I'd try to find a way to keep them. Lucas has had a good camp, too. Yeah. Um, it's been consistent with him every time I've been out there. Okay, let's go offense, Steve. Let's start with start at the top here with offense. Uh, mm-hmm. It's pretty easy. The quarterbacks, lines made it easy for us uh, when they acquired Teddy Bridgewater. So we've got Jared Goff and Teddy Bridgewater as the number two with Hendon Hooker at NFI. Uh, obviously, Teddy looked good, you know, better anyway, I should say. Uh, a lot better. On that, in, the, in the last game uh, with a couple weeks there of practice. It was interesting. A lot of people, a lot of the beat uh, folks, when I was out there one of those days before the second game, uh, we're kind of like, I think it's going to be Sudfeld uh, who's going to get a lot of these reps because Teddy just has it. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, no, <laughs> no, it's going to be Teddy. I don't think he needs any. Like, it's just going to be, because that's how it's going to be. And I think that you brought up Antoine Green's uh, catch. That, to me, is like the best example yet that we've seen of why you brought him in. Yes. That was an awesome throw. Yes. That was an awesome freaking throw. That was one of the best backup quarterback throws you're going to see in a preseason game. It was like anticipatory in a tight spot between three or four guys, only where he could catch it, and he just exploded through it. It was, I mean, Green runs a good route, but I don't, and then he just lets his speed do the rest yep. of it. But it's like that's what Teddy's there to do. No doubt. It's not like he didn't have to reach back and shit and bend over or like you know awkwardly. And though when I saw that, I was like, okay, now they're exactly where they probably want to be with him. It sucks that Jamison got hurt clearly. Yeah. Um, but like, I I know we've been complimentary of Teddy so far, but like you've been around him a little bit more since. And the staff, I mean, and your thoughts on the game. I mean, that's this looks okay to me. This looks like a good spot. This looks like a good situation. Way better than it's been uh, the whole quarterback room in general. No doubt. I had the same exact takeaway just watching that the green touchdown. Um, hit him in stride. Um, you saw the traits from green Perfect just throw. be able to break away there with the speed. Um, and that's what you were missing. And I thought, you know, it, 
My biggest issue with the second preseason game that Teddy played in is that the offensive line didn't give him an opportunity, and some of those wide receivers were dropping passes that they probably should have caught, you know? Yeah. Um, so some people were like, oh, I'm not really seeing it with Teddy. I'm like, just wait. <laughs> like, give him a chance. <laughs> the offensive line played much better in this game. Um, they were giving him time to throw, creating running lanes for the backs. Um, but when he was able to stand in there and make those throws, you see you know, the anticipation, like you mentioned, the accuracy, the ball placement. Um, that's what Teddy does, and that's what he gives you as his backup quarterback. And um, it was probably, for me, the first game that you're properly able to evaluate the receivers. You know, it yeah, would have been nice to have Jamal out there, but even even without Jamal, they have some decisions to make with those guys. So, you know, Coda, Drummond, Green, they all got a lot of snaps. You have a quarterback that can get them the ball. You know, let them cook and see what see what happens. And I thought Drummond had a good game. I thought Green had a good game. Chase Coda had a drop there. I don't think it cer- certainly didn't help his case. But um, for those other two guys, I thought they played well with Teddy. And that's, again, another reason why you bring him in. Um, unfortunately, Nate Sudfeld got in the game. Didn't play too long, got hurt. Um, we find out today that he uh, tore his ACL, so that makes oh, that decision yeah. a little bit easier. It's re- super unfortunate harder, for yeah, him. Right. Um, easier, um, but uh, it seems like the Lions will go into the season with uh, Goffin and Teddy here. Um, and Hennon Hooker, I think, has been placed on NFI, so that's not a surprise there. Right, so that makes sense. Yeah, those yeah. two quarterbacks are uh, QB one, QB two. Man, it's such a big deal. With and I, I can't keep hammering on that enough. When you have young receivers that are just coming out of college, and you're going to have to rely on them, which the Lions are, the difference, there's college open and there's NFL open. And when you when we talk about that, like a lot of it of that discussion gets talked about with quarterbacks, right? Where it's like, you know, you got to take a chance on a guy that doesn't look necessarily open in the NFC East as opposed to the SEC East, right? It's a little <laughs> bit different. It works the same way for receivers, though, right? You have to know, even if there's a guy on your hip or he's right, you know, you've barely got a whatever, you have to be on time, on your landmark, perfect route every time because that ball could be coming at every time there are no reps off and it was such a good point by you there just a minute ago because it's like it's the first time really in camp and i would say these last couple weeks because nate sudfeld was and you know that sucks that he got hurt i feel terrible for him because he was working his ass off but he was a nervous wreck he wasn't playing well it was just every this was daily in practice this was not a you know this was not a thing so Big deal. I think that was a big, big deal. Way bigger than anybody probably wanted to make it out to be. I think people got too caught up in the initial, uh, well, is he here to challenge Goff? And it's like, no. Like, would you guys just stop looking at every single move? It's like, is he here to unseat? Sometimes, but like also in this case, it makes an awful lot of sense. Plus, speaking of Goff, having Teddy Bridgewater on the sideline when you come off to sit down after every series is a big deal. I'm sorry. Like, and you'd is. be around that guy for five minutes. Tell me that that's not a big deal, right? It's, it's an absolutely huge deal. And just talking to him yep. for, you know, 10 minutes, I think a couple weeks ago, first impressions, you know, there's a reason this dude has won uh, the good guy award with two separate teams and back to back year, mm-hmm. like, you know, the, um, the media award there. And yeah, you right. noticed it right away. He's, he said, I want to help Jamal. I want to help these young receivers. I'm here to help. I'm here to grow. Um, help these young players learn. So that on top of what he gives you as a backup, he's, it's an A-plus addition. I don't know why people were kind of yep. upset when they brought him in, a little oh, yeah. underwhelmed by something else. But, uh, you know, Teddy's Teddy's a good good addition here, and um, the quarterback room is definitely yep. better with him on the team. Servant leader and, frankly, a guy that they would have had no business uh, bringing here a couple years ago. Right. No business. No one like uh, with his reputation would have even paid two cents to come here a place like this. But So that speaks to, I think, a lot of – 
everything else. Okay, running backs and fullbacks. We've got uh, Gibbs and Montgomery, no surprise there. As we talked about, Craig Reynolds sticking at number three, and then, of course, Kabinda uh, at four. We're leaving out Jefferson, leaving out Benny Snell, and then Ozigbo. Uh, how hard was this one for you at the end? And are you nervous at all that Jamar Jefferson's going to sneak <laughs> again somehow before this, is all, before this is all over? Yeah, I mean, he might, but, like, at this point, I don't. This is just my reason. It feels on it. pretty safe to me. It feels pretty yeah. safe. Um, you know, maybe they keep him on for special teams and just having another guy. And I know they like him, but they could probably stick around with him on the practice squad and try to get him up for a couple games here and there when you need him. But in the meantime, I don't think you need four true running backs. That's why I have, you know, no. Gibbs Montgomery, Craig Reynolds got the majority of the work in the first half. Um, he's the clear RB3 to me. I don't think that was really much of a debate, you know, a couple weeks in a camp. But that was pretty solidified, in my opinion. Um, and then I, a lot of people wanted me to cut Jason Cabinda. And I don't know how else to explain no. to them. Jason Cabinda will make these roster projections. Dude might be a captain. <laughs> yes. I mean, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like, I don't, I know people get tired of the, oh, he's a great, he's a great locker room guy. That's why you keep him around. Like, obviously Whatever. there have to be other reasons beyond that. But I, he's going to make these roster projections for me until the coaching staff gives me a reason not to put him on there. And they just haven't done that yet. Until they cut him. Until they cut yeah, him. Right. Yeah. I, I need to see it before I, you know, make any other move like that. So, um, Cabinda's making the roster. Uh, he's making the team, in my opinion. Um, get used to it. I'm sorry. This probably won't age well if it, get, if it gets cut, you know, but, you know, it's fine. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. But, like, the just everything I holds. see in him, it's like he's getting in there as a blocker in the run game. They love him on special teams. Again, he's great in the locker room. Um, they're And, like, guys like that will have a role on a Dan Campbell team. Um, mm-hmm. The fullback oh, position, yeah. I know, sort of going extinct here, but... They clearly do so much in the run game that they want a guy like that in the mix. So that's why he makes the team. Again, he's kind of limited in what he can do, but they like him, and that's the sole reason why I have him on the roster projection. So so the, the fullback position has kind of gone with the way of the Dodo, and it also hasn't because it's sort of evolved into this new thing that if you look around the league, um, the, best, the teams that run the ball the best um, – and I, Cleveland might be the one exception because their offensive line is so good, but, and, and they might even have something like this. But the teams that run the ball the best have a really athletic, savvy, good fullback slash H-back who can also play edge or third tight end. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean that that guy catches passes. It, I mean, he might not, he might have hands of stone. It means that he's like an offensive lineman in a 260-pound body. That's what that means. It mm-hmm. means it's a guy who's an athletic block run blocker who understands like angles and leverage and bend everything, who gets it and is willing to just put his face mask through someone's chest. Like you look at every team, the Ravens have done it forever. Use check has played for both the Ravens and the 49ers, both those teams. If you're running the ball, uh, you should be copying them. So like to me, you have to keep looking for guys like that, 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 so you're right, Colton. I would keep Kabinda on these roster projections until the Lions draft or sign and a younger version of Jason Cabinda right. until we see them go and sign, you know, Connor Hayward was a little bit like that mm-hmm. coming out of Michigan state. And he's still there. Yeah. Right. He he's still there. <laughs> like going to make the team again. And it's like, that's kind of what those things are valuable. And so until we see the lions sign a guy or trade or draft a guy that has that can out tough and pretty much beat Jason Cabinda in a fist fight, he's on the roster every time because that's just, that's an important role if you run the ball as much as Lions do. And, you know, I agree with you completely. I wouldn't have even blinked on that one. I would have cut anybody else on that list. 
before I cut him. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're just watching from afar, I, I understand the confusion. Like, well, this dude's dropping yeah, passes. What is he really doing? Like, maybe the PFF <laughs> yeah, he numbers. Can't really catch the ball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe the PFF numbers don't really reflect well. But for those of us who are around at practice, and these are like hour and a half, two hour practices every single day. Cabinda's getting in there with the first team. He's getting these reps, and that has not changed. So I, I just hesitate to keep him off, knowing that that guy is so valuable in these practice settings, and that that's how much they think of him. So until that happens, he'll you know yeah, he'll, he'll remain on here. And and they're cheap. I mean, you know, he's not ask, he's not getting paid a ton either. No. So is what it is. Okay, receivers. We touched on a little bit there, but we'll touch the the whole break. Uh, Amon Ross, St. Brown. I've got Khalif Raymond, Josh Reynolds, Marvin Jones, uh, and Colton goes Dylan Drummond. And Antoine Green uh, with Jamison Williams suspended. So that leaves out Chase Cota, Maurice Alexander, uh, Trinity Benson, Avery Davis, and Jason Moore. Yes. Um, and really, Colton, those first two, Cota and Maurice Alexander, have to be the hardest ones, I would think, right? Yeah. Those two guys, because, you know, we'll talk about Dylan Drummond in a second, but those two guys are the, are the two that it's always hard with receivers because there's a lot of them. I would think you'd be able to get those guys back, but if you cut them, like those were two, I'd be a little sweat. I'd be sweating a little bit because Coda played awesome in every preseason game, and Alexander's got USFL tape. Everybody knows about him, so yeah, yeah those are two tough cuts, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm looking at Alexander, and if there's a team that needs a returner, um, I don't know yeah. why you wouldn't. And you have the roster space, I don't know why you I wouldn't agree. bring him in for a look at least. Um, I think he can make a 53 man roster just based on that. And I thought he's looked pretty good at receiver too, um, for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coda specifically, he was a tough one. Cause I thought even last week he was <laughs> probably leading there, but he just, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to read too much in the preseason games, but that's what we have to go off of sometimes. Right? Like he didn't exactly, have a great yeah. game. Um, and I thought he kind of needed one cause he's in this competition and you have a guy that was drafted in Antoine green that they probably want to keep on the team if they can find a way to keep him. Um, I think for a while there, Coda was out playing Antoine, um, Antoine finished strong, showed some traits. Uh, you know, the coaches just want to see him be more consistent. Um, so to have that sort of finish, I think to me that put him over the top. Um, Drummond's been the most consistent from start to finish. That's why he makes it. But yeah, man, Coda's tough to leave off, and I think he can probably stick around the league, whether it's the practice squad, hang around for a few years, and maybe get a chance on a fifty-three somewhere else. But um, for now, I think the Lions will try to bring him back, even if he doesn't make this initial roster. Uh, Dylan Drummond hasn't had a bad day since he's. Been in Allen Park, <laughs> no. I don't think. And that, and, you know, like the best way I can describe this for this guy, uh, you know, everybody around here has always been obsessed with Tom Kennedy, right? Uh, yep. the, the Lions diehards. Because he's every camp, he goes out there and he's awesome. He makes every play. Good old TK. Dylan Drummond is like, is like an actual NFL sized version of Tom Kennedy. That's what he is. He goes out there every day. I love that. Right? Am I wrong? No, is that, you're is that not, not wrong? That's good. He goes out there, he goes out there every day. He runs every route exactly how it's supposed to be run. If a ball is even remotely in his area, he catches it. He blocks. He does everything he's asked. He didn't miss any time due to injury. And that receiver competition at the bottom of that thing was was intense. Because Coda did not have a bad training. He had a good training camp. And it was like, if he'd been anywhere else, probably, he might have made his way in there. But like that, that, to me, Dylan Drummond was one of these guys that nobody even knew who he was and he forced everybody to be like who the hell is this and why have i not heard of him much more before today like yeah. and we all live here so like we have no excuse but like that was really the that was really the answer it was like the third or fourth time you go out there you're like wow this guy is this is not just a one day thing and he is not stopping it's like a consistent everyday thing and i yeah i don't know how you would leave him off the team i don't know how you would leave him off based on 
not only how hard he's played and how good he's looked, but the situation that you have. Like, I think you could probably use him yeah. right away. I kind of wonder, you know, he's not going to be a high upside guy, but he's a guy that I think if you no. need you know, some depth there, can help you in some games. You put, play him out there for like eight snaps a game, can play for you there, make some catches, um, run some good routes. And I think on special teams, he's been a, you know, pretty much in the mix on most of the special teams um, mm-hmm. packages. So he can help you there too, and that's what you're looking for. The back-end guys are always mostly going to be decided by special teams' contributions um, yep. and how they play in those preseason games. And he's looked good in every preseason game. He's practiced well, and he's contributing on special teams. So for me, that's good enough to make the team, and um, that's why I had him in. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a good story there. I mean, he was – I don't even think he was ever really their leading receiver or their, like, their top guy at Eastern. I guess he probably was at the end, but like, I don't know where that all came from. Very least, strange trajectory, like, yeah. Out of nowhere, yeah. <laughs> but good for him. Yeah. He's, uh, he's playing great football right now. Uh, tight ends, uh, you know, also made easier by injury here. This was this was probably the, one of the easiest ones. And also James Mitchell, I think, playing well. Uh, Sam Laporta, Brock Wright, James Mitchell stay. Uh, Zilstra's on IR, leaving out Daniel Helm. And uh, Daryl Daniels, yeah. um, Laporta and Wright, no surprise. But Colton, your thoughts on Mitchell? I thought we talked about him at the start of camp, needing to see more in terms of everything, really. And I, I, I was encouraged. I thought, I think, by the whole process out there. Yeah, got a lot of reps. Couldn't say the same thing around this time a year ago. Um, so I think yeah. he needed that. And he was a guy that I was kind of watching to see how he can fit into this tight end room. And I've liked what I've seen. Um, you know, he's you know, performed in some of these preseason games. I thought he's had a good training camp, um, sketching the ball, moves pretty well, blocking's coming along. So, you know, I look at him as a, as a future, you know, piece of this room. Maybe he and Laporta, you know, the one and two of the future. Um, we'll see how long Brock Wright's around, but he's another guy that they like. And um, pretty solid tight end room right now. Um, Steve yeah. Hyden's got to be pretty happy with these guys. Also, Steve Hyden, I don't know if I mentioned this on the show, looks exactly like Dan Campbell. Have we talked about this? On there the are show? so many times like, where you can confuse them on the field. And you're like, oh, there's Dan. Oh, no, it's Steve. Oh, there's Steve. Like, no, it's Dan. <laughs> so I think Justin or somebody told me, Rogers, that they were drafted in the same year, I believe. Yep. <laughs> and I think they were drafted. Did you tell me this? They were drafted close together. Yeah, I think they were drafted. Uh, wasn't 10, that far apart? Ten picks apart, ten same picks year, apart. same round, like same. Yeah, they're both six six, two fifty, and they look exactly they, the same. They both played for like nine, ten years, something like that. So yeah, yeah. Campbell is a little. Uh, the shoulders are still a little broader. A little broader. Uh, he's a little more jacked than uh, Hayden, but they're both. They both look like they could still play. That's uh, <laughs> been an interesting addition there. But anyway, uh, to the offensive line. Uh, always interesting to see how this shakes out. And, of course, you missed on a Fetty. I did. So I guess we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. So we got Penesul, Vitae, Ragnow, Jackson, uh, Taylor Decker, uh, Glasgow, Sorsdahl, Matt Nelson, and then a Fetty, who we, who we guessed on, who I would have probably done the same thing as you, uh, also out. So what are we thinking here, Colton? Are we thinking that it's just going to be eight? Or is there another guy maybe going to make this thing? Yeah, I have no idea. This was a really tough position to kind of nail down um the other guy i was considering yeah. was uh awosika um who i thought has played well this preseason oh, right yeah and he was a guy that you know he got some game reps last year i think he started a game or two in place of some other dudes so he's another guy that i was like well maybe if they want an extra guard they go with him sub fetty um but i think the difference for me why i had a fetty in here is that i thought he outperformed matt nelson in the preseason but i know matt yeah. nelson is a very trusted Kind of like Cabinda. I know people don't 
love these. Oh, mm-hmm. Dan Campbell trusts him, yeah. but that's simply what it is. Um, he's using these jumbo packages still. I think there was a time in practice recently, maybe last week or the week before, where uh, Taylor Decker went out for a series and Matt Nelson stepped in. And that to me is like, okay, he's your first offensive tackle off the bench when one of your starters is, you know, taking some time off. Yep. Um, so that's why he made it. Um, Afedi, I understand them. They're probably a little redundant. I tried to figure out a way to get them both in here. My reasoning was you got your starting five. Um, you're going to have, let's say Glasgow is on the bench to start the year. You'd have him and right. Colby as your two guards off the bench, and then you can keep Nelson and Fetty as two tackles off the bench. Um, so that gets you to nine, and that was kind of my reasoning for it. But um, it seems like you know they cut Fetty; he gets a chance to probably go somewhere else. They could run it with and he probably will with eight. Yeah, I mean the entire league needs offensive lined up, so right. <laughs> wouldn't be surprised there. Exactly. Um, they could go with eight. Um, that wouldn't surprise me. Maybe they find a way to get. It was Hika on there. Um, maybe they bring in someone else. But the other part that I didn't really factor in as much was the fact that Colby Sorzel was playing some tackle in the final preseason game. So I wonder if they view him as he can play guard and we yeah, trust well, him enough to play tackle. Um, so he can be yeah. the you know multi-positional player there. Um, and then maybe you do run it with eight if that's what you want to do, if you trust Colby enough there. So that would make sense if they want to go that route. And um, yeah. they got some options here. I hadn't thought about that because Sorstall did play tackle in college and he's been a guard the whole all of camp. But it yeah. actually does make sense, uh, you know. It actually makes sense for two reasons. If Fetty's going to get a chance somewhere else, he was a former first round pick. He's a good athlete. Like, if you're not going to keep him, get rid of him early and let somebody, you know, whatever make plans that way. Um, but yeah, that I think that you nailed it there. Sorstall's growth has probably changed some of the math there. He played really um, well in the last game. Yes, and I could definitely see, and there's other guys here, like they, Darren Polo is another guy that Campbell likes or trusts, I think, because they always have him in camp, they always have, and he'll be on the squad, I don't think anybody's going to pick him up, but they have these guys that they like, like Skipper was one of those guys, that it's just like, eh, like yeah. he's not really that good at anything, but he knows all their stuff, and he doesn't really make any mistakes, and he doesn't, like, you know, everybody likes him for the most part, so like, yeah, yeah that's... That's all it takes, and I think that Nelson is that guy. He's the extra H-back and the extra whatever, and really that's all it is, and Effetti's not going to be that. So I think that that's fine, and we'll see if another person uh, gets added in somewhere else. Uh, okay, defense. Um, this is where I think things get a little harder, but we'll see how uh, if you agree. Yeah. Uh, defense. <clears throat> Defensive tackles. we got McNeil, Isaiah Bugs, Broderick Martin, and Levi. Words uh, Rike as the four staying, which leaves out Benito Jones, Christian Covington, Corey Durden, and Chris Smith. Uh, and I, you know, the uh, Jones is the one where I would argue maybe yes. he gets a shot back in this thing, right? Yeah, and they haven't cut him yet, have they? Not yet. And he, let me tell you this, he All was right. the toughest one to cut. And I had him in the last yeah. one, and I was going back and forth after the game, literally for like thirty minutes. I told. Our editor, editor <laughs> Allison Katsunika, I was like, I'll get this to you in 10 minutes. I gave it to her 30 minutes later because I was going back and forth on Benito Jones for just twisting and turning yeah. in my head. Man. Um, so I left him off, and I immediately regretted that because <laughs> I, I wrote, my gut tells me the Lions go with five defensive tackles because uh, he's had a good camp, he's had a good preseason, and it's nice yeah, to have that extra good. depth, especially at defensive tackle. That isn't their strongest position. Um, Isaiah Bugs, you know, Brad Holmes said that he wants him to kind of play less snaps. Like, he thought he played too many a year ago. 
Roger Martin, I think, has probably hit a bit of a wall in the preseason. He looked good early on in training camp, but um, didn't think he did as much as I anticipated, um, which is, you know, it's fine. He's going to need some time That's here normal. as a rookie. And then Levi, I think Levi's looked pretty good, but the injuries are always going to be a concern. So I did feel kind of iffy about going with four defensive tackles here. Mm-hmm. And now that Afedi is out, if they do just want to run it with eight yeah. offensive linemen, I think that opens up a spot for Benito if you do want to go that route and have five, which I personally which would, would like to see because I think Benito's had a really good camp and can give you some extra depth there. Um, but my reasoning for going with four was that some of those edges can also give you some juice there, whether it's exactly. – Yep. You know, Josh Pascal or John Kaminsky can move inside. Um, Romeo did a little bit of that in the last preseason game. So I think if they want to go that route, they can have they have some edges that can move inside. But um, I would have liked to get Benito in this, uh, you know, final roster mm-hmm. production. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think I would probably put him in just simply for the fact that you can't trust Martin yet all the way. Bugs absolutely needs to play less. I think that they, they even lessened his load in camp, like, because he played, I don't know how he got through the season, quite honestly. Yeah. Uh, he was beat up, like, midway through and never left the field. Like, it was, like, every week it looked like something something new. So you're you're just not going to, if you do that to him again, you're not going to get anywhere close to the same player. So you can't really trust Martin as much. And Levi, like, you want to trust him, but because he looks great. Mm. He looked awesome against Carolina. And he looked good against uh, whoever it was in the Jags. And, you know, the whole – he's looked good yeah. since he's come back. He's looked exactly like the guy that you think he should be. But, like, yeah, I mean, one thing goes the other way, and it's like, uh, okay, well, there we go again. So I would say that I wouldn't want to lose Benito Jones. I I almost – that's another one where it's like, man, <laughs> you might be able to sneak him back in. But he every time – they line up in a preseason game, he does something. And it's like, teams see this, you know? You're yeah. not going to be able to get away with that, like, forever. Just keep stashing <laughs> these dudes. Right. So, yeah, every game, he, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, every preseason game for the last however many he's been around, like, this guy makes plays. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. He's been a tough one around here for a while, and I think this might be the year that that he makes it in. Edges is also hard. Uh, we're going with six, staying here. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, Charles Harris, Kaminsky, Josh Paschal, Romeo Okwara, James Houston, which means Julian Aquar is out. And, you know, I I probably don't have any issue with that at all. I, I, I think that Julian played really well in that first preseason game. Yeah, um, three sacks. And I don't think we've seen any – yeah, and we really haven't seen anything since. And I would also add that that was sort of – that felt like an aberration. We were not seeing that every day in practice. So that might not be as difficult a cut as people might think um, when it right comes down to it. You, do you agree or disagree with that? I agree. I mean, Nick, what was their biggest question mark with him? It was consistency, right? And Yeah, can you do it every day? Yeah. yeah. And he wasn't doing it in training camp before that first preseason game. He goes out there, he gets the three sacks, and then he follows it up with you know, a couple snoozers there. And it's Nothing. like, all right, so you're not yeah. really being consistent either. Um, and with the depth they have at that specific position, it makes it tough to keep you on the roster. Um, and you know, maybe he's a guy that sticks around. Maybe they find a spot for him but at the same time. Like maybe you can get like a six or seventh round pick for him. Maybe a team that wants, you know, he's still got yeah. some upside that he hasn't fully tapped into, you know, what they saw in him years ago, but maybe another team liked him and says, Oh yeah, we'll bring you in here as a pass row step. We need, we could always use more edge rushers. Um, so maybe that's the move or maybe you just wave him, cut him so you can give him a chance to, you know, start somewhere else. So maybe that's it. But it feels like 
this might be the end of that marriage. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. Yeah, I almost wonder if they would have a discussion with him about that because he's 25. He's not going to be 26 until I think the end of the year. So he's young, really yep. young. And, you know, he was a third round pick, mm-hmm. something like that. Fourth, I don't remember what he was, third round third, pick. Yep. So maybe it's something where they say, you know, do you want us to just dump you so you can go figure out your right. next move? Do you want us to tr- try to trade you somewhere? Like, what do you want? You know, like, do you want... And so some guys don't get that option. I do wonder if he's one of those because they've tried to make that work. And I don't think it's for lack of, like, effort. He seems to work hard enough. Mm-hmm. I, I've never seen anything. He's a good guy. I don't think there's any, never been any real issue with that, but... Just hasn't worked out, and you know, yeah, like you said, that might be a tough spot. I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't know if you can make a trade because I, I almost feel like it's obvious if you're looking at it. Yeah, but, I, that's the but other we'll thing. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we've yeah. been talking about just Houston get... is whoa. He's yeah, look good. You're not cutting him. I, I, no, yeah. no. I never thought he was on the bubble or anything like that. No. Um, yeah, maybe these guys. We've been no. talking about Julian for feels like a couple months now. Like he might not make the whole the team year almost. almost. Yeah. Now. Yep. I don't know if the Giants, maybe they saw something they liked in those joint practices in the game, and maybe they try to bring him in, but, you know, it seems like the writing's on the wall. So if I'm an NFL team, I'm just waiting for the Lions to cut him rather than trading a late-round pick for yeah for him. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't see that one uh, sticking. Okay, linebackers is always difficult for me. I've, I've, like, always gotten these wrong every time. I get something <laughs> wrong with the linebackers almost every time. Uh, but this one actually seems like you might have gotten it here, uh, And but I say that and something will change. So we go uh, Alex Anzalone, Derek Barnes, uh, Jack Campbell, Malcolm Rodriguez, and Jalen Reeves Maven as the five. And to me, that looks perfect. That I don't, I don't think I would change anything. Pittman is always a guy that seems to hang around here, uh, and and do better than they like him better than I think people realize. But even when they like Reeves Maven more, and those other guys aren't going anywhere. So I actually think that's probably fine, right? I mean, that's not too much else to say about that one. Yeah, I mean that was sort of the thinking. Um... I honestly think Malcolm's going to end up playing a lot of special teams this year, like more so than last year, just because he's not going to be a starter or at least play as many snaps as he did a year ago on defense. So that opens up more opportunities for him to play on special teams. That probably bumps down a guy like you know, Pittman, who has been trusted in that role. Um, but they do have Jalen Rees-Maven, who can also play on special teams. So it feels like they've got enough linebackers that can contribute on that unit. Um, and with the five they have, like I think the top three are going to play a lot, and Campbell, Barnes, and Anzalone. Malcolm will get in there too. Um, so it feels pretty set. I would have liked to find a way to get Pittman in, but I just couldn't make that move over some of the other guys, knowing mm-hmm. that his role is heavy special teams. And we think at this point Barnes is your starter, right? I, mean, I do. Do you, do you think he's won that job? I think so. Next I mean, he's, he didn't play in the final preseason game. Campbell did. Um, he's gotten mm-hmm. the first crack at the starting starting defense pretty much every time we've been out there the last two, three weeks. So. You know, that doesn't mean that Campbell's not coming along. It just means Barnes has really 
had a great offseason to get himself in this position Man. to fight hard, knowing that they brought in a first-round pick that's going to try to compete for your job. And he fended him off, and seems like that's going to be uh, your starting duo, Alex Anzalone and Derek Barnes week one. There's not, and this is this is why this is different. Okay, this is why this team is this roster is different. And I'll just this is proof of it. Okay, there's not one guy uh, that's making the team, or not one guy in the cup bubble, I should say, that is a draft pick uh, of this regime. There's not one yep. other than Jamar Jefferson, I guess. But not, and we could even go further than that. There's not one guy on this on this group that's on the cut bubble that was like either a day one, day two, or high day three pick. Yeah. And oftentimes that is not the case. In the you know, if you go back two years on a draft, a lot of times you get to that second year and you get to that second camp on a guy, and you're like, or the third camp, I should say, and you're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> are they going to cut bait? Are they? What are we doing? Yeah. Might have missed on that one. And Barnes was probably one of, if not the leading candidate, to be that guy. And ending last season, when last season ended, and in one off season, all the development that you thought was going to come. Shows up, and now he's starting. Like, that's the difference right here. There have been years past where it's like, well, here we go. Logan Stenberg's in his second camp, and he's firmly on the cut bubble. He was a fourth-round pick last year. What in the hell are we doing? Like, you know what I mean? One year they cut Jason Huntley, who was a fifth- or sixth-round pick. It just keeps going on and on. Or guys that are in their second year. Jelani Tavai was always Okuda, right? We're just on and on. We are not having those conversations anymore about anyone. And Barnes is the one that really nails it for me, I feel like, every time. Because when the year started, him and Iffy, who I think is also on the if team. Iffy's probably... Did you him off? Or, I, I had him on, but if you're going to talk about one guy, it's probably Iffy. But we can get to him in a second. So, so he's the one guy. We'll talk about him in a second. But everybody else yeah. is exactly where you want them to be. And that is the difference. And I, Barnes is probably the best example of that this whole offseason. He's probably been challenged more than anybody else. Yeah. Th- full stop, the whole way... I'm sure they challenged him in the winter. They drafted freaking a linebacker in the first <laughs> round after drafting Malcolm last year. Like he could not have been challenged any harder, and he's had the best. He's played the best ball of his life. Like that's the type of draft pick that you want to make, and you want to root for and stick behind and all that stuff. And the Lions are making more of those than they're not, and I think we're seeing some of that come up here. Absolutely, I think Kelvin Shepard told a story a few months ago. Um, it was right after the Lions drafted Jack Campbell. He got a text from Derek Barnes saying that he was excited to bring him in and like let's 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 work basically. Um, yeah, and that's the mindset you want from a guy that you drafted and you knew it was going to be a project. You knew it was going to take time because he was sort of this raw player. Um, but now it is here. Here here he is, year three, finally showing up. The IQ has kind of matched the physical attributes that you liked about him coming out of the draft. Um, you know, Kelvin Shepard talked about just the way that he's leading in huddles and you know telling defensive linemen where to line up, like that was the stuff that he wasn't doing the first two years that he's finally doing now. And that's, I think, if he ends up starting, that's what you can point back to and say, that development is what we want to see. That's why he's now in this position that he's in. Um, so great development for them. Doesn't mean that Jack Campbell's not coming along. I thought he looked really good in the preseason. He had some really good moments there. Um, would not be surprised if he ends up taking a job, you know, at some point midseason, uh, if he's finally where yeah. he needs to be. But um, you have a solid, very solid linebacker room. You got some depth. You got Malcolm might be one of the best reserve linebackers in the league at this point. Um, just, a guy, a guy yeah, you can trust to run out if someone gets hurt. Um, so they got a really good room now. Uh, first time you can say they've had this sort of linebacker depth in years. So good spot to be in. And man, I think that's such a big deal, and it's underrated and probably not talked about enough. But it's I think those type of things, those wins, are a huge deal for the staff. 
the coaching staff to be able to see like, hey, we did it. We took the guy that was a project and we got him there. Yeah. It was not easy and it was rocky or whatever, but he's there now. And we did exactly what we were supposed to do. And this is this is going exactly how it was supposed. To. Like those wins are take a they are like long term projects that take a lot of work and a lot of long nights and all this and a lot of like should we get should we just cut bait and move on way earlier than anyone ever imagines I think um, in those quiet moments where they just talk about it amongst themselves and to have sort of that faith and to see it through because I think a lot of the projects don't work more often than not and the you know guy that right. hey we're gonna take a shot on this guy because we think he could turn into something uh, we have total faith in our staff to do it and it doesn't work at all. <laughs> it's like shit. Well, okay. So for what to actually happen, and it happened. It's happened a few times on this staff. Um, I think those are good wins to see because they were probably jacked to see him show up looking like he has. Yeah. Uh, because it's it's been a long time coming. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Okay, moving on here to the secondary, as you mentioned before. <coughs> Ooh, uh, this corners. Is tough. Keep, yeah, which is difficult. Keeping seven corners. Uh, Cam Sutton, Jerry Jacobs, Brian Branch at nickel, Will Harris, Starling Thomas makes the team, Gilmore, Chase Lucas with uh, Emmanuel Mosley on PUP, and Cleo uh, Dorsey and Colby Richardson out. So what were your toughest situations here, I suppose? Because um, I feel like all these guys have earned a spot to be here. But I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't be shocked if Starling, Stephen Gilmore, or Lucas also finds their way on the cut. Like, yeah, it, it wouldn't shock me. You know what I mean? Yeah. That so, the DB spot and DT five were like, I was going back yeah. and forth on that. Yep. Because um, I would have liked to kept, you know, Benito. But and maybe I was a little bit of prisoner of the moment on the preseason game there. But Chase Lucas yeah. and Gilmore, man, <laughs> that like, happens. They needed they needed games like that, and they came through. Um, right. And like I think a DB can offer you more on special teams than a defensive tackle. And like, that was sort of the reason mm-hmm. a little bit there too, but I'm looking at this position. I'm like, all right, they're not going to have Mosley. Um, they could probably use an extra yep. body there. Um, especially if like Cam Sutton goes down, you know, he's like your clear CB one right now, but if he goes down, exactly. You've got Jerry Jacobs, you've got Will Harris, Starling Thomas, the UDFA. <laughs> Stephen Gilmore, yeah. So I'm like, they they probably need another body here. So that that was my reasoning there. And yeah, you know, they've got some versatility here. Like I have branches now a starting nickel, um, which mm-hmm. moved C.J. Gardner Johnson to safety on this projection. So that opened up another spot there. But yeah, I mean, I'm looking at this position. I'm like, Gilmore's had an excellent, um, you know, final preseason game, yeah. but really the entire training camp, he's looked really solid. Um, Chase Lucas really showed out. He's been consistent, but you want to see a little bit more in the games. And I think he finally got that in week week three there. Um, Starling was an easy decision for me. He's pretty much, you know, early on has looked like a dude that's going to make the team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that – yeah, it, it seems like a lot of DBs, like seven, a lot of corners here. But I'm looking at that last game, like, I don't know how you leave a guy like Stephen Gilmore off because I think he'll get scooped up by another team if you, if you run Maybe. that risk. So – that was sort of my reasoning there. Yeah, I I got to tell you, I think Chase Lucas is either going to make the team or be their most difficult cut. Yeah. He's either going to make the team or be the guy that they're like, they took the longest to think about. Because you're 1,000% right. The interception that he had in the game against Carolina was freaking awesome. In the end zone, like total soul, you know, selling out for it completely to make a play, which is what he does every day in camp. Like, that's how he plays. He's a really hardworking working 
you know, does a lot on special teams, can do anything on special teams, and just busts his butt, but it's always like, eh, there's always a little bit something lacking. You know, he's just not the loaded prospect, I guess. And that's why he was a, what, seventh or sixth round pick, whatever he was. But, like, he's everything that they talk about as a worker, as a quality person, as a, you know, teammate, all this stuff. And so, yeah, I I either think he makes the team or that's the guy that they come out and say, like, we hate we hated that. We yeah. I don't know, you know, it sucks that we had to do it again because last year I think you were in a similar conversation with him where they cut him last year too, right, I think. And it was like... Chase? He played well enough. Yeah. Chase made the team. Did he get cut last year? He made the team. Oh, did he make the start. team? Yep. Well, it was on the bubble. He was. And you're like, it was, it was the same conversation, I guess we should say. Maybe I shouldn't say that then. And you're like, well, he's done enough to make the team. But I could also see where you would say somebody else is better somewhere else at another position even maybe so yeah. i mean i just that's a that that's tough a year ago he was probably like one of the last players to make the team and yeah, i would imagine he's he gotten yeah. better since then so it's like ideally in in or in a situation when you're kind of taking a bird's eye view that would leave you as probably on the bubble but I do think with the Fetty getting cut and maybe they stick with eight offensive linemen that could open up a spot, a spot there because um, I already had him right. in. I had Benito out. So maybe a Fetty right. getting off the team exactly. opens up a spot for Benito. And that was like the back and forth for me, Benito versus Chase. So maybe that's how you get mm-hmm. both of them in. Um, also, some flexibility at safety and kind of what's – I think they can make a move here yeah, that opens absolutely. up another spot that we'll get to in a second. But, um, yeah, Chase is a guy that they trust. He was getting some, some real action on special teams. He's been a little banged up here, but um, – I do think they like him, and I think they'll try to find a way to keep him. So that's, yeah, he was right on yeah. the bubble for me, though, and I found a way to get him in. I agree with that. That's a hard one. Uh, but safeties, if we're mentioned here. Uh, yep. Not not too difficult at the top. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Kirby Joseph, and we got Tracy Walker, and you keep Malafonu uh, in your top four with Brady Breeze, Brandon Joseph, and uh, Scott Nelson on the way out. And as you mentioned, C.J. Gardner-Johnson is a guy who can also play in the slot. Mm-hmm. Um, and Iffy is also a guy who can play in the slot. Um, but your thought process here at safety, and what were you thinking in terms of, uh, mm-hmm. was that what you were talking about, the versatility, or was there something more there? So versatility in what they do with the roster is, I guess, what I meant. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know if, if he's healthy. Campbell said he's day-to-day, mm-hmm. and he didn't mm-hmm. play in the last preseason game. You know, he got hurt in the Carolina – was it? Oh, the Jacksonville game, he got hurt in that one. So – that man cannot stay healthy, uh, dude. Like he, like uh, I don't know if you can trust him. So I feel like yeah, he's fifty fifty right now, anyway. So here's what I, I think that they could do. I think they could keep Iffy on the initial roster, like when it first came comes out, and then move him to, um, you know, the pup list or something. You know, so yep. Have missed the first IR, yeah. Yep. Have missed the uh, first four games, um, mm-hmm. and then that opens up a spot or someone else. And maybe that's how you get Chase on the team. Maybe that's how you get Benito on the team. Maybe Khalil Dorsey. He was another guy that we left off. Didn't even yeah. mention him. Brady Breeze even, right here at safety. If you yeah. Want to. yeah. Um, you know, Chase has played some safety too a little bit last year um, when they yeah, were kind of in a pinch point. there. So maybe he can move over there. So that's what I think they could do with Iffy if he's not fully healthy. Maybe they feel good about him being able to play early and give him some stuff on special teams. But I don't know, man. Like, I really wanted to work for Iffy because I see what it can oh, be, yeah. what it can look like, but he is just not a guy that they can rely on to stay healthy. So even if he is still in the mix here, I just I feel like he's 50-50, um, depending on the Absolutely. injury situation. I agree. So. 
if he's hurt again and I didn't realize that he was hurt again, then yeah, I mean he might not make it, or he might be, or it might be exactly what you said, because I don't know if you'd be totally comfortable cutting him because the only reason he's not making the team or he hasn't gotten to where you want him is because he can't stay healthy. It is not because of anything else. He's changed his body. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. When he's on the field, you notice him. When he's out there, it's rare, but when he's out there, you notice him. It's he's not perfect, a, he's but got like, a presence. Yeah. He has a presence. Good point. Yeah, well said. Like, but he cannot stay on the goddamn field. Like he can't <laughs> stay healthy. And it's like this is just like the fourth time now that they finally have gotten like, oh, I think we got through the woods. Nope, right back to where we were. And it's like what and here you are again the day before cutdown day, and it's like, do we keep this guy and cut somebody else because we can't afford somebody else to come and snake him and then turn him into what we think he should be? Or, you know, what do we do? And I I think you're right. I think they keep him and put him on IR. If he's if he's truly to a point where yeah. they don't know what they're going to do, I think it'll be the same as what happened last year. Um, but I think this time you'll feel a little bit better about it, hopefully, because he at least has a position and a, they seem like they have a plan for what, you know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. if you put him in a game and he was healthy and you just said, go play safety, I'd be fine. Yeah. I don't think there'd be like, well, shit, we'll see. Like, I don't know. Cause like every other time with him, it's like, okay, if he's going to play, huh? Well, I guess we'll find <laughs> out how that goes. And I, yeah, I think he'd be fine. So I, I think that's like the only reason. And like you mentioned, Savion Smith gets hurt, which is unfortunate for him. Um, who that would have been a great story if he'd have been able to come back and make the team. But like you know, yeah. if he it's it's the same conversation as Jamar Jefferson, if not harder, probably harder because he had he really does have all the traits. If he has all the stuff that you're looking for in a versatile safety, you can also play the slot and be a linebacker. Heaven forbid if you can get him to bulk up a little bit more. So, but yeah. you know, some guys can't handle that, and that's just the reality of the situation. It's not <laughs> anything one way or the other. But it just is what it is. That's that's kind of a bummer, though. Yeah, if he's going to be fascinating, because I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if he just doesn't make the team and they just move on at this Look, point. But that could be tough, and it could come back to bite him. The Giants just traded for it was a Giants, right? Just traded for Isaiah Simmons for the seventh. That's right. They gave seventh. Up nothing for him. Yeah. And that to me is like if he Malfon was like a poor man's Isaiah Simmons in in so many ways. Ooh. He's six three and a half. He's so long. He's naturally like and he's bulked up way more now as you've seen like he's changed his body he's really not afraid of hitting contact i mean he's a guy that'll stick his nose in there i but like he's also a guy who i just never quite understood how advanced his football iq was or wasn't and then he hasn't been on the field so we can't we can't tell and those guys need so many reps and it's such a hard time to to feather that right but yeah, that's a tough that's a tough spot because you don't want to lose a traits guy like that. Yeah, and I think if they cut him, they might. You know, I find a way to keep him, whether it's yeah you know, the quick or stash or you know something else. But also, if he's hurt, I mean, if he's hurt, maybe they be maybe they can't cut him and just put him back. You know, the fact that he's hurt, yeah. maybe nobody will bother. Right, we'll see. You know, he can't he can't freaking stay healthy. Yeah, uh, and then the specialist easy here. Um, well, I guess maybe not easy because we did talk about the kicker. We'll <laughs> start with the punter and snapper. <laughs> not first. easy. Jack, Jack Fox and Scott Bailey on the team, of course. That's and then you take Riley Patterson. You take Riley Patterson over Mr. Parker Romo. Uh, is there a chance to cut both, Colton? Like I'll ask you that. Is there a chance <laughs> both kickers get cut? The Titans just did they that. Keep someone. Up? They. I, mean, I know the Lions, the Lions did, it years, did it years back, but yeah, Badgley was cut from the Titans. So. Oh God, yeah. he was here last. Poor guy. Poor oh guy. my God, Badgley. Um. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, I. 
I I think it's gonna be Patterson. I'll just start by saying that. And yeah, I think people are kind of upset with him because he missed an extra point in the preseason game. He missed a fifty-three yard <laughs> field goal that was just really sh- short. Like you'd rather him yeah, miss wide left from that distance rather than be short for right. fifty-three. That's a little concerning. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, yeah, that's not good, man. Yeah, it's this like is the Big Ten. So <laughs> here's my thing: if you, all right, so you had Austin Seibert versus Riley Patterson at this time a year ago. You went with Seibert yeah. because he has a stronger leg versus Patterson being more consistent. Seibert was inaccurate, ends up getting hurt, and you cut him. Patterson goes thirty of thirty-five for a playoff team <laughs> to a point where you have to retrade for him, reacquire him, so he can hopefully offer some stability to this kicker position. Um, did not have a great final game, but you still know that he's a more proven player um, of the two, him and Parker Romo. Parker Romo in this role is the bigger leg kicker, kind of like Seibert last year. So if they were to go to Parker Romo over the more proven guy in Patterson, and Parker Romo just shits the bed, then you're right back where you started. So... That's my reasoning for going with Patterson, even though he did not play well in the final preseason game. That probably created more questions than answers, and you know, yeah. does not have you feeling good. But I think Patterson will be fine. Um, you know, the Lions go for it a lot on fourth yeah. down anyway, so it's like if you get in the fifty, yeah. you're probably going for it. You don't need to worry about him making sixty-seven yard field goals. Like I think you're fine. Right. Um, so they're a hundred percent in that. Yeah, they're yeah. in that mindset. I saw Kellen Moore said this the other day. Uh, that he thinks of it as when you cross the 50, you're in the, uh, what they call it, like the green and two zone or something like this, where it's like every call, you know, so your your second down calls are essentially called like a fourth. So, no, that's what it was. Anything fourth and two or under, you're going for it once you cross the 50. Yeah. It's essentially the rule. I like that. So you're calling, you're calling second down like you would call first down. You're calling third down like you call second down, so on and so on. Lions more or less do that. I don't know if they have like a... And that's such a great point to bring up because they do do that. I mean, when they cross the 50, I don't know if they have an actual, like, if it's fourth and two or under, or fourth and three or whatever, but because sometimes we'll see them do it at fourth and five or six. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like, and and it's not because they have a, they have yeah, numbers it's not because they have no faith in their kicker. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's not because they think the kicker sucks. That's not it. It's, it's right. It's part of their game plan and, and how they, how they sort of cut the game up. But like, so I, there's two things here. I would not rule out. Them cutting both kickers, okay? Just because they've done it before, and neither of these guys are any are good, frankly. They're not anything that we're going to write home about. Uh, but I don't think they will, and I think I would agree with you that Patterson makes it just because of this. When They did that the one year because I think there were other guys that deserved to make the team, but also they didn't address the situation, and then they missed the next time on Badgley, and that became like a bigger mess. And it's been kind of a mess since. Like, they haven't. <laughs> fixed it it's been sort of like you're good at everything else on special teams actually great at most everything else except kicking you're like kind yeah. of a shitty kicking team i was gonna say some of these returns so, have been really impressive like the blocking up front yeah you know, jack jack fox is gonna do his thing it's like but, that's yeah. the one thing they can't figure out so, and they can't kick a damn field goal so <laughs> i i do wonder if now they've gotten to a point where they're like whatever we like riley enough okay we trust him he's been here he's been in big moments for us and you know all that and I think that maybe that's and if they have to and if he craps the bed and whatever, fine. Go back to the drawing board in week four and find whoever the best waiver kicker is, and that and you just go back to that thing. But I think originally, after they cut both that first year, they sort of got it in their head that we could just waiver wire it the whole way. It doesn't matter. Like, uh, and sometimes <laughs> it's okay, but man, 
It's been a dicey, dangerous game, so I don't know if I would do it again. I wouldn't rule it out, but I don't know if I would do it. Only because there's so many guys that we've talked about here that you don't want to cut. You know, you're like, it would suck to cut so-and-so or Benito Jones. And yep. if it comes down to Benito Jones or Riley Patterson, damn, <laughs> what are we doing? Like, So I get it, but I would think that he makes the team. I, I don't think we'll see a repeat double kicker cut. Yeah, I think they're I done with that. Like, and the way you know Dave Fitt talks him up, he said that, uh, you know, sometimes it takes okay. kickers a few trips around the block to kind of figure figure out, you know, who they're going to be in this league. Um, mm-hmm. It's funny if you look at the data on drafting kickers; a lot of them end up being good kickers down the road and can help a team, but not with the original team that drafted them. Like not that's right such away. a weird thing. Yep. So it takes a few years to kind of figure things out. And Patterson seemed to have a really good year, really good grasp on like who he is as a kicker, and went thirty or thirty five. Yep. Like I'll take that. I think the Lions would take that if he goes thirty or thirty five again. Um, so yeah, you don't love the range. You probably want a little bit more there, but at the same time, the way this team operates, the way Dan, uh, goes through it, how aggressive he is. I don't, I think that kind of lessens the blow a little bit. And at the end of the day, you just want a guy that can make, make kicks. So I think they'll go with Yeah, I, I think I would agree with that. And it's like, you've had enough body of work on Patterson, enough trust built in now. And it's going to be so much more about like, okay, he had a bad game against, uh, and you know, in the preseason, but okay. Did he? Does he come out the next day and is he fine? Is he hanging his head? Is he in a bad mood? Is he like whatever? If you're going to cut both hick- kickers, I would think that you have a pretty good understanding that both kickers are mentally in the toilet and aren't <laughs> going to give you anything. Any, you know what I mean? Like they're just not there because kickers, are, you know, everybody says it. They're like golfers. It's just like golf. Yep. Like you go through these different, different, you know, grooves in your life and everything else. So that'll be as much about it as anything else. But in any event, I... This is not easy, Colton. I, I think we're actually doing okay here, but I, I say that every time, and I always end up with like six wrong. So I don't know <laughs> I've uh, already, how this will go. And do, I already got one wrong. So Yeah, go ahead. No, yeah, yeah. We already got one wrong, but that's fine. Do you think we mentioned uh, maybe Julian as a guy, if he could be a guy maybe too? Do you see any other trade situations possibly happening? I, the I mean, I don't know if they're going to add another receiver at this point. I don't know why you – Gone this far, but I mean, do you see anything else? Would what would shock you, not shock you? I guess at that point. Yeah, I, I think the only two guys with, and I struggle to use the word trade value, but if there is a guy, it's probably Julian. I don't even know if if he has much value yeah. if he's hurt right now. Um, I agree. If he's hurt, and if team a team needs a pass rusher because Julian can do that, you know his win rate's decent. Um, you know the consistency isn't there, but maybe you get him in a system with. You know, a coach that liked his traits coming out of college, um, you know, thinks that he can still do something in the league, and then you bring him in, maybe he has a good year as a reserve edge for a team. Um, that's the only way I can see. I don't think you're getting much even in that scenario, probably just like a seventh-round pick, but no. I would take that yeah. for a guy you're going to cut anyway. I mean, they've proven to find some gems here with some seventh-rounders like Chase Lucas and Antoine Green showed oh, yeah. some flashes. So, yeah, why not? I, w- I would do that if, if it's on the table, but, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, I think that'll do it for this week. I think that's a good spot to stop. Tomorrow, Tuesday, at around 4 o'clock-ish, we'll know the Lions 53, and then I'm sure they'll make a few more moves after that, because they always do, as everyone always does. They can't just let it be. (laughs) So that'll go on all day. Also, hey, did you see, uh, speaking of things, the Lions kicked the tires on old Trey Lance for a hot minute there. Did you see the report? I did see that. that. Shout out to uh, Diane Rossini, our new uh, colleague at the Athletic. What do you think? I like that. I think that's a sign of a smart organization. Everybody that made a call on Trey Lance knows what they're doing because that guy 
if it goes and clicks, he would be the best quarterback in the league. He has all the all the stuff. Everybody knows it. If you're giving up on him just to give up on him, like that's and that didn't. I don't think that that's what happened. It was an awkward situation mm-hmm. that they had to figure out the best place for him to go, and hopefully it works out for him. He's a really good kid. Everybody always has always said that about him. But I was very, I was like, they have to be, they have to call on him <laughs> because like he's got. The way they run the ball, the way he, I just, it would have been a, if it can work, but I can also see why you're not going to want to do that for anything less than like rock bottom price. And, yeah. you know, that makes sense. I mean, you've got Hennon Hooker, who you're happy about. You dropped yep, in the third exactly. round. I think if Hooker wasn't around, maybe you're more willing yes. to give up a pick. You got two, what, two fourth, fourth rounders next year with the Vikings pick, I think, uh, from the Hawkinson trade. So, you know. Yeah. It would have been cool to see him here, but I understand why it didn't work out. I what the part yep. that I can't wrap my head around is why the cow. I understand. I guess from a backup perspective, you want. Well, to I know. For, yeah. For Dak, what are we doing here? <laughs> that's not a good situation for Trey. Trey needs to play. He needs reps. Not needs really. to compete for a job. You're not doing that behind Dak, and Dak is going to have like 36 million in dead cap against the Cowboys if they try to yep. move on from him. So I don't really understand that either. It's like. The one dude, this, this the one thing this dude needs is game reps. He hasn't played football in like three years, and yet here right, we are, yeah, yeah, behind one of the better quarterbacks in the yeah. league, just as a backup. Like that doesn't help his development at all. So I was kind of bummed to see him go to Dallas, but hope the best. You know, hope things work out for him. Yeah, hopefully they can just break it. Whatever was not working and all this, uh, whatever. But it also makes me wonder when we go back and think about the spring because he was available in the spring. He was. Um, I have to think that Holmes either made a call or at least thought long and hard about do we do that or do we draft Hendon Hooker? Yeah. And obviously they drafted Hendon Hooker, so that's the decision. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. So uh, all good there. Hopefully Trey Lance, if we see him at some point, it would be a shame if we never get to see him at least because, my God. I just want to see a lot play, of fun man. stuff. That's I, know. All. Yeah. I just want to see him play. Somewhere, one time would be nice, but we'll see. Hopefully at some point. But anyway, I think that'll do it for this week. Enough Cowboys talk. Uh, <laughs> for Lions will be, uh, I guess, nothing really here until after cutdown day. Uh, this week is kind of quiet. And then two weeks, right, until the first game? Is that um, my calendar is all over the place? September, We've got a couple more weeks here. Yep. A few more days. September 7th. A few more days till game one. But uh, things are starting to take picture. Uh, thanks again for listening. Gold, you got anything else uh, this week? Uh, no. Um, you know, Brad Brad and uh, Ray Agner are talking on Friday, so that's right. I'll have right. Some, some thoughts on uh, their comments, and yeah, we'll go from there. Absolutely. Sounds good. Well, once again, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, be sure to uh, stick with us tomorrow for all of the uh, Lions 53 stuff, and then I'll be back again soon to break everything down ahead of the season. Uh, so for Colton, I'm Nick. Thanks so much, and take care. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.